Welcome to the Creative Tools podcast. My name is Ashay and I'm immensely passionate about using technology for creativity. On this podcast, I talk to various creators about what tools and technology they use to be creative. My guest today is Chaitanya Godse. Chaitanya is a software professional who has been active in theater for about 25 years. He loves directing and acting in plays and also has ventured into creating short films. During the recent pandemic when theater productions could not be staged live, he worked on some innovative ideas to bring the live experience to virtual audiences. He believes constraints are helpful in bringing out the best creative solutions and sees them as opportunities to think out of the box. Hello Chaitanya, thanks for visiting my podcast. Of course, glad to be here Akshay. Oh, Akshay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <It's repeating. laughs> That's okay. Um, so let's dive right in. Uh, my first question is what do you create? What do I create? So um, I have largely been focused on theater. So I do a lot of theater. I act in plays. I direct plays. Um, I have written some plays, not that many. And I also create short films. That's uh, largely everything that I've done. So has your focus uh, have been mainly on theater or films? Mostly in theater. Uh, that was the most uh, accessible medium for me for a long time. Hmm. And uh, recently, actually, um, because of you, I've gotten more into <laughs> short films, so, as you know. So, and yeah. that, uh, I've enjoyed that process a lot. Yeah. So, um, so let's kind of focus right now on the theater director part uh, sure. for this podcast. So, um, and since you have done films, you know about this. There are three steps in filmmaking, uh, pre-production, production, and post-production. So I want to uh, focus on something similar uh, mm -hmm. for this interview. So uh, pre-creation, creation, and post-creation. Let's talk about those three phases. Okay. And let's uh, start talking about the pre-creation part. So for pre-creation, I am mainly interested in understanding uh, the inspiration uh, that you get uh, to direct plays. Uh, how do you record the inspiration and how do you retrieve it when you want access to it? Hmm. Okay. Um, so uh, these three phases might be, will be different in theater because I would say pre-creation would be essentially just getting the idea and writing the script or finding a script, right? Because many times you're finding scripts. So a lot of it involves reading. So, I mean, in some ways, finding scripts is a challenge. Like I think interestingly, because they're not, uh, depending on the language you want to find it in, uh, it becomes, uh, uh, becomes a challenge. Many times, like we try to find physical books. Uh, nowadays, I think with online, we're trying to find online books as well, right? Or online scripts, existing books. Um, so that'll be more the kind of, uh, what I would say, pre-creation phase. But what really I'm looking for there is, like what kind of story do I want to tell, right? Does it appeal to me? Is there an angle that could be unique that I could present? Um, that is the primary criteria for, for a lot of these things. So then you pick different genres and read around different genres. Sometimes you pick different uh, authors and just kind of read everything that they have done if you like that author, right? So those are some of the techniques we use there. None of them are technology. I think though maybe only technology focused part would be if you're writing a script, then um, there's a, probably two things we would do. Uh, one of them is... Uh, 
Actually, I'll cover one aspect which will be related to technology. So many times we find scripts in a different language, right? It could, it could be in English or a different language, or it could be Marathi. And then you want to translate it, right? So, or if you have a play and uh, so for instance, we do Marathi plays, right? Or Hindi plays. And we have audiences who might not understand Marathi or Hindi. So we then create super titles for it, right? So for those things, actually, we have started using Google Translate, which is a pretty, pretty decent tool. Like it has like significantly improved in the past, I think, particularly the past three years, where we can take, uh, again, you have to still work through it, but at least you can take like blobs of text and convert it. The basic level conversion is reasonably good. And then you can uh, then edit it and for, to make it right, right? So I think that is a, a very useful tool, which is Google Translate, um, which I've used multiple times to kind of uh, tra uh, translate scripts as well. So I think that would be more on the pre-creation side. So uh, I think uh, I want to go even upstream of this. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's say you have encountered a script um, and you don't necessarily have access to talent or access to make, I mean, realize that script on stage. Mm -hmm. So you must be recording it or keeping a, keeping a record of it somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and then accessing it later when you think uh, you need, uh, you can make that script a reality. So in these situations, like where do you record that inspiration, that script that you came across? And how do you remember maybe years later that you had that script? And, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. How do you get access to it? Yeah. So if I find a good script, I, I've been using Google Drive as well, right? So I think most of it are saved as Google Drive. Um, and then, uh, uh, in general, I think remembering is not a problem. Like I have like a finite number of things. I don't, I haven't run into, oh, I have these hundreds of ideas and hundreds of scripts and which one should I be looking for? Um, so usually I just save them on Google drive and I, I mean, it's reasonably straightforward to remember like which one you're looking for. Right. Do you, um, do you only look at them when you have to make a creation or do you look at them just at a particular cadence without even i mean when you are even not creating yeah yeah ideally i i should do that uh, it doesn't happen that way <laughs> okay. uh, so many times it is oh i have to read this i have to read this but it's like in the backlog right and then um usually like again um, i like constraints right so once there's a constraint oh we have to do this play like there's an opportunity to stage a play then we go back and then I'll read a bunch of them uh, in rapid succession, right? Until I find something that I'm interested. Um, so yeah, it, it happens that if I, if somebody says, oh, this is a nice script, then I will remember it or buy it or whatever, right? So I'll try to pro procure it. Uh, and depending on time, I, I might or might not read it right away, right? So I think, uh, so in some ways it turns into a bit of like collect for a while, then when an opportunity presents, then you, you figure out what you want to do at that point of time. Uh, but that... But that basically means that the scripts that you are preserving in uh, in your repository, uh, you need to know what each script demands. Yes. And then, uh, but you, do you record it or it's just in your head? And no, no it's just in my head. I don't, okay. I don't write it anywhere. So I think once I read it, so I, I do give, give it a, like a skim read, like I generally understand what it would be about or what the style of writing is because 
depending on where you are performing or what kind of format it is right so we do mm. a couple of like you can have a stage play or you can have what we do as theater in a room which is a very different kind of intimate theater experience so depending on that your script changes some like with covid so occasionally we uh, some of us did like an outside play right like mm. an amphitheater so then again mm. there's a different kind of play so uh, based on the the venue based on what kind of audience you would you tune what you what you're looking for okay uh so let's talk about the creation aspect now uh so for creation i will tell you my experience you mm-hmm. tell me if uh, you resonate with this or you yeah, have yeah, some yeah. other experience so my experience is whenever i'm creating something i want to build a pro- prototype of that creation as fast as possible mm-hmm. uh there are many decisions involved in creating that prototype but when i'm creating the prototype by hand in front of my eyes the actual creation gets built in my head mm-hmm. so especially for films the film is already ready in my head before even it's uh, shot because yeah. that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. the thing that uh, as a director i practice a lot uh, for that right. and yeah. then uh, the next step in creation is shaping the prototype so basically removing everything that's unnecessary so that you can uncover the creation that you are seeing in your head mm-hmm. so those two steps i very much go through uh, for creation so do you also go through similar steps or do you have some other experience yeah so i think this would be then uh, working on the play right so i won't talk about like auditions all that so assume we have actors and everything right but um when so one of the things i do is i read the script every day when i'm like setting it right? because every time you read the script you learn something new um and uh, it gives you a lot more insight i want to be the i want to be the person uh, who has read the script the most number of times <laughs> right, as a director like i mean i need to know all angles of it um and second thing is uh, uh, my idea is a bit different what i do is i, I decide what what is the story i want to tell like i should be able to i call it the north star like what 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 do i want to communicate from mm. this play right and i can explain it in one or two lines like it's very clear in my head what i'm going for um and then then it's a it's a pat, it's a pattern of making sure that all the sequences are interesting and they they flow within the theme that we have in mind right so a lot of the you need a, as a director i think you need a lot of clarity around what you what what the intent of the play is like what you want to communicate to the audience and so uh and the second part that is important for me is uh i work with actors where i want them to bring something to the table right so i i give them like the general framework i rarely try i mean even though i could i rarely try i almost never show them what they should be doing i give them the framework of what they should be doing um and then guide them to kind of bring their creativity into it right so so that's how um, what will happen is i firmly believe that depending on the set of actors you have it the whole play could feel very different although the message could be exactly the same right so i think that's the beauty of like what actors add to it so i work a lot with actors to kind of bring out those nuances and the, and i really encourage them to um think about it because i feel that if they think about it then it's a lot more natural performance right so i think that's the key uh, rather than copying something they have something that they have thought about right so it's a lot more natural and it shows everywhere in in the in the play right so um so that's how i kind of work through it where uh within a play i have techniques around like what's the intent of the audience is usually a driver of every scene right or it might flip flop between within the scene so i just work with actors very closely like that but at the end of the day it is communicating a story to the audience and when i get feedback from the audience i usually ask that question okay like what 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 like what did the story feel like right so the, or what were the characters feel like i rarely very rarely ask about like 
what did you think? Because I think it's a very uh, kind of uh, not a great question. <laughs> I, I'm really trying to look for if I was shooting for a certain character to be portrayed in a certain way, is that what is being communicated at the end, right? For a person who has not seen it at all. Or if this was my intent, then is that what is getting communicated in the end? So that's basically how I kind of work through the process. So you mentioned a very good point that as a director, as a theater director, you need to have the clarity of this of the script uh, the most yeah. so to get that clarity uh, how what tools do you use oh, uh, do you um so i've done things that are what we would call similar to like story maps right so sometimes you're just thinking oh these because sometimes scripts are very layered and you're trying to like figure mm -hmm. out there are two multiple stories and you have to figure out which ones to highlight or which character to highlight um so, uh, so I think uh, I've done essentially what is a story map where like I would maybe have a character journey or an arc, but it's all just visual, right? So I'm just like drawing it out on a paper. Um, and then, uh, or you could say like the way you have like the stage of film, right? Like, so you, there's a certain kind of pattern mm -hmm. you follow. So similarly, I think I would do it for either the characters or the storyline, right? So I think that, that is something uh, that you use. Uh, but a lot of it is to just get the, like, get the clarity from the script right so once you have it then i think you can you can work with it i don't need the tool after it but it's sometimes useful to visualize it and sometimes it's helpful to share it with the actors as well right or your producer in terms of like what you're kind of looking for because there might be certain moments moments in the uh, areas in the play where you are you might even have your production designer somebody else who's setting up the stage or like hey this is what's important so i want you to enhance this part or that part right so that is like a visual tool that uh, is helpful, which but it is just drawing on a on a paper, right? So you draw on paper with uh, yeah, yeah. It I would mean, be a graph. So let's say if okay. it's a character, then it would be like a, a graph line going up or down in terms of their emotional journey, or um, or if it's a, a storyline, I might like put key points in the storyline as to how how I I want it to progress or which areas to highlight within a script. Uh, one of the differences, like major differences that I see between theater and film is mm -hmm. uh, in theater, the space is constant, whereas in film, uh, space is variable. So uh, mm -hmm. films, you have to think in terms of time, uh, the chronology, uh, mm -hmm. whereas theater, yes, the, there is time, there is chronology, but space is constant. So the clarity of space and how... Um, actors and your talent is moving across mm -hmm. that space is something that uh, could be useful uh, for theater. So do you do any kind of that exercise of understanding how the space will be used? Uh, so there's the, the, so there's definitely visual compositions, right? So I think the around power dynamics, if somebody is, mm. um, you want to show somebody in, in a slightly more power, and these are subtle, like I think as an audience, you don't realize it, they're right. more subconscious. Uh, and I think, yeah, as a filmmaker, you know, these things exist, right? Like camera angle lower or right. higher and stuff like that. So same idea in theater is what are the visual compositions, right? So usually you display power by somebody standing up and the other person lower or sitting down or whatever mm. pose you want, right? But visually they are higher than the other person, things of that nature. Um, and uh, one of the things I think since you talked about theater and uh, film, like uh, th theater is a, a make-believe medium, right? Like I can say, oh, there's rain and I act in a certain way and you'll feel that there's rain. There's no rain actually. Like, But uh, but even as an audience, we, 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 we appreciate that an actor is able to create or evoke the emotion of actually there's rain and like he's getting wet and rain or anything of that nature. Um, whereas uh, a film in contrast is a, is a very concrete medium, right? You, you can't like pretend it's rain you have to like mm. show that it's rain mm -hmm. like the water has to be there it has to be like every so you have to create everything in literally in in a mm. film 
Whereas I think in theater, the benefit is that you, it is a constraint that you are in that space, that is the uh, space of the theater, but you have a lot of, a uh, uh, lot of kind of flexibility um, provided by the audience and the format to kind of just create whatever experience you want, right? Because mm. that's just the talent of the actor and how you set up the stage and compositions essentially. So we call it blocking, uh, at least mm-hmm. uh, where we uh, block in a certain way. Um, there's certain kind of dynamics around it that left side of the theater tends to be like it will it will grab more attention than right side. And uh, there's some kind of uh, dynamics there that you kind of work through. Um, and then there's a lot of things that you do via uh, not only music, but uh, significantly more by lights as well, right? So mm. one of the beauties of theater is um, you can really enhance things with light. So that's where I think the, where technology is used a whole lot, right? I think the, how the stage setup is, do you want spots, diffuse spots, exact spots? Uh, how do you want it to be? Do you want the moving light, uh, types of light, colors of light? So there's like so many things you can do. Uh, and it's probably one of the more most creative uh, parts of enhancing the experience, right? I mean, I think uh, the script uh, has the has most value, right? Followed by actors. Um, and then I think I would say music and lights would be then at the same level in terms of like enhancing the experience for a So do you do any kind of previs for this experience? Previs means like going to the theater or like... Uh, Not necessarily going to the theater, but like you had an idea, let's say about uh, a spotlight or different color of light for a particular yeah. scene. Uh, before you actually go in the theater and spend your time and energy mm-hmm. in seeing that in theater, do you do any previs? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, it's generally a pretty uh, standard. Uh, I mean, there's some tools that some of my friends, I forget actually the name of the tool. It's like a sketching tool. Hmm. Um, so I work with uh, a couple of people, but um, I'll I'll get you the name for it. I, I want to say it's Sketch 3D, but I'm not entirely sure. It basically you can create the dimensions of the of the theater, mm. right? Mm. And within that you can put like specific whatever furniture, whatever you have, mm. right? Like a property, this mm. that. Mm. Um, and then you can actually uh, basically replicate it for like the light you want, right? So you yeah. say, hey, right. the spot is here, the spot is here, or it will transition this way. Um, so you you are able to then essentially not only visualize it yourself but also for your team you can show hey Correct. this is what I have in mind so like you need to stand here and this is why uh-huh. my blocking is this way things of that nature um, but uh, it's uh, I'll send you the name of the tool I I'm forget- uh, the name escapes is me it right. made for theater the tool that you are talking no about? no I think it's actually like some architecture architecture or, oh, uh, is it like SketchUp right? or something like SketchUp yeah 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 I think it's just probably oh, okay okay um, and um, and in that, I think you can build light plans as well. I've seen some people do this in uh, just a very like top view, like for right. light plans, actually just a top view of the stage is good enough. And then you mm. can you know just draw out the, how you want the spots to be, right. Or how what you want the lighting to be, uh, because all you're looking for is how, where you want, which part to be lit, right. And what, mm. way. Mm. and the sequence of how you light it is, is a different thing, right. That's mm. where you program cues and all that, but at least you need to design this. So this is the lighting design part which you can do basically it could just imagine like a top down view on one mm-hmm. slide and that's kind of you can even draw the whole thing there and how important is this pre visualization before you actually go and perform so, this on stage uh, so if you have to uh, so two different parts if you are doing set design then at that time you need to know the exact measurements of things right mm. so i think that's why i think if you are going to have somebody build your set then you need to be very reasonably precise about it um, but, uh, if you're going to use standard furniture pieces, this is not usually a big deal, right? In terms of, it's just like good to visualize it, but, uh, nothing else, uh, for lights, uh, depending on the light person, it can become quite important, particularly if you have like very complicated lights, right? Because I think mm. that is where 
um, you being on the same page as to what, because we usually, the way we write our cues are, uh, we would, it will be a collection of certain lights, right? So you have to basically be able to say, oh, like left front, and there might be five, six different cues that you want to mix together. So you and your light person need to be on exact same page. And again, like they might suggest some things too, right? Obviously, so you have to mm -hmm. be open to that. So it becomes a good, good medium to be able to collaborate with them. Okay. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about the super titles that you were talking about? Like, how do you make them and how do you uh, show them during yeah, the yeah. show? So uh, making is actually a combination of, uh, uh, I mean, as I said, Google Translate, right? So you would basically use that and uh, create the super titles. And then um, what we have figured out in different theaters is usually we use the theater projector and only bring the top screen down, like just a few, like maybe uh, one third or even less than one third, maybe like one fifth of from the top. Um, and uh, what we have figured out is like, essentially if you have black background, right? Then it is, it, the way these 4K projectors work, black essentially means the, the whole thing is off, right? So it is basically no light. Um, so we basically do black background and on that, like print it with yellow and you can do up to three lines per slide, right? So it is basically a, Google or PowerPoint slide, which we know the exact dimensions for. Uh, so it fits in exactly at the top of the stage, right? So that is how we do super titles. But somebody has to run them in the sense somebody mm. has to sit down and like click next, next along with the dialogue. Mm. So that's like the, it's like a live performance for the person doing super titles as well, um, uh, because they are with the play, uh, mm. doing it with the play. So I wonder how, I mean, these you are showing on stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have been to Broadway in New York and there for the Phantom of the Opera, they had an app, the theater app. Hmm. And um, obviously inside the theater, uh, they want you to uh, go in airport uh, mode, okay. but then you can connect to the theater Wi-Fi. And then ah. be, when, you, when you're connected to the Wi-Fi in the theater app, as the character is speaking in front of you, the titles would appear on your wow. phone. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, but I, I I wonder whether they were run by a person or it was probably I mean Phantom of the Opera is probably running there for many many years, so yeah, yeah, it yeah, is yeah, very yeah. much uh, synchronized. Yeah, maybe yeah, synchronized. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I know one thing that happens is uh, I mean again we try our best, but actors sometimes like can like right. switch lines right and all that right. stuff. So. Um, that's why I think uh, running live is kind of beneficial. Like you can't just always timing it because like you can't do it by time. So there's probably is a live person involved. I, I would assume, right? Uh, I'm guessing at this point, yeah. And one of the things that uh, I can think the advantage of performing arts or performing in front of a live audience is the art can get generated in in the vicinity of the audience right then and there it's unlike film where you are generating art well before your audience mm -hmm. sees it and then uh and then you are basically just showing your baby uh yeah, but yeah. Mm -hmm. but the the art sometimes the art is born in front of the audience right then and there as a part of a live performance as know. a part of a live performance mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. uh so to enhance that experience for the actors themselves or to motivate or to create an environment for uh, generating art in front of the audience uh, is there anything that you do or uh, uh, I mean I think one of the key things with and with particular live performances um, you you have to create a good group right like that gets along I think a lot of it is just that and they have, I mean we talk about chemistry a lot but if you have seven or eight person team who have never met each other right i mean you you, you cannot have chemistry whatever you try right mm. how much you try 
So a lot of it is just informal interactions. And over time, I think you create a group. So sometimes I mean, I think I feel a lot of it is just based on like the work you're doing, right? The, just the, the, the process of creating a play, right? Because it is, we usually do it in eight weeks, like two to three days a, a week, like two, three hours together kind of thing. Um, there's some exercises and stuff that I occasionally go through, right? So um, uh, that we also do um, like role playing games and stuff like that. But really, it's just kind of getting them very comfortable with each other, right? And mm. being being able to trust each other. Because then, like, well, I think what you're talking about, we call it like magic moments, right? Like something mm. will happen on stage, which right. I had not predicted, right? Like, I mean, I had a person on wheelchair and, and suddenly something happens and his wheelchair is not moving anymore, right? So they have to adjust on stage right. and figure out what to do, right? So, but if they do it in character, if they're doing, if they have been in that, then it like creates this like very kind of very pleasing kind of like they're right. just to it, um, which is kind of the main part. So we, we work a lot on, hey, this might not work. That might not work. Like, how would you do? Right. So even our rehearsals are more like live performances uh, from that perspective. So, uh, but I think it's really just getting a team to work together. I think that's the key part. Um, and let let's go back a little bit to the part where you mentioned that you uh, spend some time in creating these clarity maps mm -hmm. of uh, of the content that you are uh, working with um and let's say this you do that before you um actually involve anyone uh, mm -hmm. in in that uh, in in that play so once you involve them do you kind of add another layer uh, to your uh, usual so that, okay, now this character is actually this person. Mm -hmm. And then uh, maybe, I mean, uh, the reason I'm asking yeah, is like, yeah. I kind of did that for, uh, for my film where I had like several people auditioning for the same role. And I literally just put them together, like in, in, oh, a, in see, a PowerPoint see, slide or something yeah, like that. Okay. And just yeah. see that whether I see the chemistry or whether I see yeah. whether they uh, uh i mean, there i can see them as my act as characters as that i'm characters. As, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, thinking yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah i think uh, i mean a lot of ways like the benefit of uh, when you're auditioning is that you can actually do this right like live with with people there's some mm. amount of like naturalness that has to be there between the two people anyway and they have to look whatever character you have right husband or wife or right. like father or son um so so i think like at least that part you kind of go through but uh, yeah but i think i'll maybe just uh, in some ways I, I I have the assumption that once I add an actor, whatever like they will they will change some of how it will how it will how the uh, uh, what the final experience would be, right? So I'm actually quite open to that already, right? So I, I don't like I don't try to fit actors in the the flow I have. I have a flow which which is kind of true to the storyline and true to the intent of the uh, that I need to convey. Um, but within that, every actor will add their own thing, but it's still within the framework. Like they're not going to go way off and like add hmm. something completely different. Um, unless it is a different interpretation that I had not thought about, then, but I really like it. It is still consistent with what I want to communicate. Um, and they're doing a really good job. Then I might try to then, you know, like change my thought process around it. And how about um, makeup for them? I mean, uh, uh, I don't know what kind of, heavy makeup that you have encountered for your creations but they, do you do any kind of like look test or like a makeup test before you actually uh, have them yeah, perform uh, i mean one of the benefits with theater is like the people are a bit far right most of the time so mm. i think you can get away with when it's compared to films where it's like so close you can't right. cheat right i mean if you, I, I can't like suddenly be a young child right i mean it's not possible <laughs> um but 
uh, or mostly like you can't suddenly pe- turn people old, right? And because it's very noticeable in, hmm. in screen. Well, the benefit of theater is like you can pull off some of this stuff. So if you're a really good actor and they they can pull off these things, it's like a good acting challenge as well. Then a lot of things can be done by makeup, right? So um, it's not I wouldn't say heavy. It's like appropriate for the character you are looking for, right? So I think uh, we can age somebody by twenty to thirty years without much problems in theater. Like mm. it's like totally fine because they're like reasonably far. But then their body body posture, body action, body language has to reflect that, right? So I think we would practice it that way. But makeup en- enhances the experience overall, uh, and also very important in lights to kind of at least enhance certain features, right? So it is very mm. visible, right? Because you are pretty far far away, right? I mean, mm. At least like minimum twenty to thirty feet away, right? Like how mm. you mm. do it. Mm. So um, it is used more as an enhancing and accentuating technique, right? To mm. to kind of do this, um, and it does give you some benefit in terms of changing age or certain things or enhancing certain elements. So, but uh, I wouldn't, yeah, I would put definitely like. Uh, I always have a specific makeup in mind. Like I would, I would never go anybody go on stage without makeup. Even mm. though many nice people say, "Oh, like I, I mean, my role is like just a regular guy. Like why do I mm. need a makeup?" Uh, but uh, but there's lots of things like you'll sweat, you'll do this, you'll do that. Right. So I think like a basic makeup is basically almost always important, um, right. and uh, it enhances the experience significantly. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so let's okay. talk about the post creation aspect now. So uh, how do you release, distribute and market your creations? Yeah. So uh, it, honestly, I think uh, one of the challenges with theater is that even though we video record uh, kind of like the, the content, um, I've always found it doesn't really give you the same experience as a live live performance, right? Mm. It always falls short like and to some degree significantly. So um, you have tried a few things like having multiple camera angles or just doing it for like to record, right? Like mm. not necessarily trying to uh, record the play itself. Um, I don't think a lot of things have been really that successful. The thing that came closest where during COVID we started because uh, we couldn't do live theater, right? So we started mm. doing, um, I mean, it was, I mean, this you might like as a tool set and for your audience as well, which is we started essentially, we almost recreated a production studio in a garage, right? So basically we had two cameras. It was going into uh, a software called Open Broadcast Studio, right? Which basically gets two feeds, and then similar to what you would do in a uh, in a in let's say a TV production house, right? You you have the ability to switch cameras and like move the move those things, right? So we essentially would have like two cameramen who would be capturing different parts of like the play, right? Um, and uh, and one person on the essentially who call it like the director or editor at live live editing mm. in some ways. Where depending on which frame is better, like they would pick that frame, right, for storytelling as well, right. So this was like a very interesting experiment because I think I, I thought it came closest to having a live performance hmm. um, and also giving it a, a live performance feel, right? Because whenever you record from like fifty feet away and even if you try to do close-ups, it is still very flat, right? You cannot get different angles and all those things. So. Um, so it was like kind of very exciting to kind of figure out how to do like these two cameras. They have to show up as video capture cards and like a whole set of things that you had to figure out. And also most of the backgrounds you could now project via green screen, right? So we were also using green screen and projecting different backgrounds on top of it, using property in front of it. So figuring out how exactly lighting, because lighting actually becomes much more important when you have green screen, mm. um, because if you have patches of like dark or light, then the 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 chroma key doesn't really very work, right? When you mm. can see in the background. So how do you light it up? So it it like I have some pictures where 
it's almost insane right we have these like six lights and like eight like 50 <laughs> feet of green screen and two cameras like through two laptops and audio system and all that but uh, but it was a lot of fun i think we did quite a few plays like that um so that worked out uh, pretty well in that phase uh, quite appreciated by a lot of audience but for a regular play that we do in uh, in theater we typically try to record it in in kind of two camera angles and then one like a long shot and one maybe closer from a certain angle we edited that way typically they're released on the that organization's uh, youtube channel mm. like that is mm. the standard way of doing it um and uh, largely the marketing value of it is really more just kind of to like for new people because these are all non-profit organizations right so the, mm. for them what is important is like how do they engage newer people coming in so the organization keeps going right so a lot of it is that the value of it is mostly in um newer people or existing people wa- watching it and mm. and kind of like being able to say oh these are the plays that this organization does right that's really mm. kind of the at least the ones i have been involved in have been more in the category of uh what are the quality of the plays you can mm. kind of showcase right mm-hmm. so hence i think how you edit it how you kind of uh, uh the level of professionalism or effort you put into it, it becomes important as well but usually it's a youtube channel and uh, some uh, and we use adobe most of most of people use adobe premiere pro hmm. uh, to kind of edit it some people have used movie maker or something but i think now i think adobe premiere pro is like the default and marketing do you use social media uh yeah i think the standard ones like facebook instagram um and uh, some people yeah i think those are the two major ones there's also email groups that lot of lot of these organizations have um i would say most of the ticket sales i mean you used to run one one kind of non profit before so usually about most bank for the buck is through your email list actually mm. uh, and then and then the people who you cast like they usually will kind of end up uh, selling quite some tickets mm. as well right uh, so the crew and email list by far right by far are the are will get you 90% there and then 10% you can get from social media um, okay. like friends and family yeah. mm-hmm. uh what's the biggest challenge you face in your creation process um i would say i think like uh, uh it's more on the very 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 upstream right so which is finding great scripts or writing great scripts i think that's really kind of where these things are mm. um and uh and sometimes you have ideas but then executing them and creating a script is also sometimes a challenge right so mm. i think uh finding writers to execute it would also be kind of part of it uh but it's really more kind of idea creation like once i have the idea i think developing it and kind of executing is not my problem i think i'm i'm like reasonably mm. good at but um finding an idea that really appeals to me where i think like there's something to be said uh, mm. is 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 somewhat more challenging um, i would say mm. uh when these creations take place uh do you feel lonely <laughs> and when i say lonely i mean do you feel like you need a companion to help you with the dis- creative decisions that you are ah, taking interesting yeah, yeah so actually what is interesting and this is something i would definitely share with you asha which is um so uh because after doing films right there's definitely i can definitely relate a lot more to lonely because in theater um everything is a group activity right other than the fact Correct. that when you are reading the script right, let's say right and finding a, and a kind of a thing and we have a partner there too but generally once you get into we are going to produce this thing like there's audition there's people there's production there's actors like there's different things so every every uh, uh, every week there's practice so it is a very social social activity right and mm. i think 
uh, once I started, once I did like a, a couple of uh, short films, what I realized was that all of that first part, all the way up to, I would say, shooting, right? Shooting day is true, right? I mean, to some degree, you always have a lot of this like uh, activity, right? And then it's like extreme loneliness. If you are the only person editing, you are kind of screwed. So that's when I realized that, oh my God, like what I actually realized, uh, enjoy in this creative process is being able to interact with somebody as well, right? I think mm. like that interaction is actually quite important. Um, so I can slog through some things, but I think I'm more creative when I'm, inter- I'm with people, right? So I think mm. in, in those cases. So, um, so that's why I've, I've uh, probably reached out to you a few times to edit some <laughs> of the things. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, and for the recent one that I, I was kind of editing myself, but, but I just had to slog through it because I was going to finish it once myself. Um, so, but yeah, I'm realizing that a lot more that I think I'm, a, I'm, I mean, I guess, uh, self-realization as part of doing things that you're doing <laughs> is, uh, I'm a reasonably social person for creative endeavors, right? I need another person who I can bounce ideas off or kind of work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, I get a lot of kind of enjoyment from kind of doing that. Right. So. Um, yeah, so the only loneliness is, I think, more in films and specifically in editing for me. Um, and uh, I think it once once gets through that phase, right? Once at least you have a rough draft, and then you can still again interact with people. But like, there's one part which is like completely on on you, right? Like you just have to get through it uh, at that point of time. Right. Uh, and last question. So, yeah. what is your vision for your creations? And what I want to understand is like the tools and technology that you see right now around you. Do you see yourself using that to some advantage uh, that will help in your own creations in future? Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, I think the vision is to kind of, for me always has been to to make people think, right? So after you watch one of my plays, the idea I would have, like they, they, they think about the play or the, you have kind of, from your day-to-day existence, you have kind of taken them out and you you kind of have given them a different point of view, right? So if you can achieve this, I think I, I call them like compelling stories, um, where you have you have said something and you have provided an experience to people, right? So I think that's kind of what I shoot for, which I think I understand is a bit abstract the way I'm describing it. Um, and then uh, I think currently at least the the tool landscape kind of works for me. I mean, there's certain parts where at least for plays, I, I don't think there's a lot of issues from that perspective. I think this is like reasonably sorted out. Um, uh, in and I think film editing, there's certain places where I think a lot of automation can be invested mm. into, right? So I think, and you and I have talked about that mm. as well. Like in certain areas, we can automate a whole bunch of stuff. So mm. uh, yeah, that is another like lonely endeavor when you have to like <laughs> merge yeah, the I audios know. and videos and like sort it out in a certain format. Yeah, right? yeah. So that kind of is a pain. So I think those are areas that we can definitely enhance. So yeah, anywhere there is a auto- automation, I would have. I mean, I'm a software engineer by profession as well. So I think we can automate like. Uh, where you don't need a human, it probably can be done better by machines, right? So I think uh, we, we should definitely do a lot more of that. Um, so, but I think the tools work pretty well nowadays in theater, uh, even with lights. And I know you attended one of these stores day before, like even though the lights are very complicated and you have like more than 110 lights per in certain theaters, like all of them configurable with light, with different colors, et cetera, um, you can program them, right? So you can literally like program them where every queue to queue, you can kind of just, have have them change gracefully over a period of 20 seconds 10 seconds abruptly um so i think the technology around it is quite quite great right and even um live audio um there's so 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 many facilities to kind of like because sometimes your audio tracks are off uh, like audio balance is different 
So you can even like the software to kind of make it right, right in in the mm. theaters as well. So there's a lot of interesting, uh, and maybe the two people I connect you with we would be uh, potentially the folks who do light and sound in theater. So maybe mm. you can talk to them. Uh, okay. Particularly, one of them is uh, actually also produces the kind of the sound boards. So maybe we should talk to them, David. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks a lot, Chaitanya, for your uh, visit. Uh, great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, and all the best for your podcast. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. If you are a creator, I would love to talk with you. Please connect with me through my website or social media. See you in the next episode.